Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In our world today, there are regrettably many voices that grab our attention. In reality, however, the only voice that matters is the voice of Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you have a lifestyle of spending time in your Bible and in prayer that you might increasingly hear and obey the voice of Jesus? Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 7 and look at this incredible truth in Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Wednesday morning here in Texas, and hopefully y'all are just, just rocking in Jesus. You know, we say it every every teaching. The, there is there's no priority in our lives of greater importance, and that will bring greater fulfillment than growing intimacy and obedience to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the meaning of all life. It's only in Jesus that we we have life, that we have eternal life. It was only by the grace of Jesus that we even have natural life. And it's only in Jesus that we can ultimately spend eternity in heaven. Eternity. Our physical lives are are comparatively very short time. Whatever we're given by the Lord, you know, um, up to up to 100 years, let's say. Um, Whatever we're given on this earth is a very, very small time compared to eternal life. And so it's how we live our lives here and growing to know Jesus and walking with Jesus. And, and, And at the beginning, knowing Jesus as our Savior, knowing him as you know, as our only savior for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul that will allow us to spend eternity in heaven with him. And the more, the more in this life that we give our lives to Jesus, spending time with Jesus, growing to know him, growing to love him, growing to know his love and growing to obey him. Um, we will, we will grow in our relationship with him, we will grow to know him more in our relationship with the triune God, God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy spirit will all, you know, it will, we will take on greater meaning and purpose and we'll have more fulfillment in our relationship with the Holy Trinity. And ultimately we will have a greater reward in heaven. Um, we get to heaven only by trusting and relying on Jesus Christ. Going to heaven has nothing to do with ourselves or our efforts. Going to heaven comes only in relying on Jesus Christ, trusting in him, clinging to him for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. But our reward in heaven, um, how we experience heaven, the position we'll have in heaven, is determined by how we live for Christ after we've come to know him as our savior. So that's why we talk about living for Jesus constantly, loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus, Melanie, and forgiving for Jesus, Peyton. Uh, These are, these are, this is the meaning of life. 
living for Jesus, loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus, and forgiving for Jesus. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Today, by the, by the grace of our God, we're going to finish John 7. I don't know how many teachings we've done now in John 7, but we started uh, several months back, four or five months back, I guess, in John 1, 1. And now we've taught every verse, and today we're going to finish up John 7. Today we're going to do verses 45 to 53. And uh, Lord willing, we will move on to John 8 next time. So I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we will read it, and we will get rolling. So Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for our Holy Bible, Father, we thank you that you've given, given us the living word of God to feed us and nourish us, Father. Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for willingly becoming a human man for us and living a perfect life for us and dying a perfect death for us. And we worship you, our, our risen Savior. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open the Holy Scriptures. We ask you to give us eyes that see and ears that hear. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, John 7, 45 to 53. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and Pharisees who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards declared. You mean he has deceived you also, the Pharisees retorted? Has any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? Has any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed in him? No, but this mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on them. Nicodemus who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, Does our law condemn anyone without first hearing him to find out what he is doing? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Look into it, and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. Then each went to his own home. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, in the previous teachings, we, we, you know, we saw that Jesus is teaching in the temple courts. It, it was the, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. Could have been around 200, 250,000 people there. And that his teaching got to a point where, where, where people tried to seize him. But it didn't work because it wasn't his time. I thought it was verse 30. Um, yes, verse 30. You met, look at it, it says, John 7, verse 30. At this, and this is where Jesus had just gotten finished speaking, at this they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him because his time had not yet come. And we had asked, you know, what, what exactly happened there? What can you picture? It says they tried to seize him, but they couldn't because it wasn't his time. Nothing in our lives can happen until it's the time of our heavenly father. And so... You know, I don't know if they rushed him and then some kind of shield went up or, you know, they just couldn't, you know, or if they rushed at him and their just their minds changed when they got close. But Jesus did not let him, you know, let himself get seized. Now, 
he will in John 18 allow himself to be seized. They're not taking him. He's allowing himself to be taken because he knows what his purpose is to die for the sin of the world and to be raised again. You remember in John 10, he said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord and I pick it up of my own accord. And so they try to seize him, but they can't. And so it says in verse 32, then, then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. Now, these would have been, again, armed guards that would go to arrest Jesus. And now they're listening to Jesus speak. And so that's where we are. And in verse 45, it says, finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and Pharisees who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? So they sent the guards with instructions to bring him in, to arrest him, to silence him. They didn't want Jesus speaking anymore. And they had the power to silence someone if they came in and that person didn't and that person wasn't saying what they wanted or what they agreed with, then they could have them arrested and silenced. And they were trying to, to do that with Jesus. And it had always worked. These temple guards would have, would have heard people speaking in the temple courts constantly. They would have had a lot of experience with hearing people talk. And oftentimes they might have heard people talk that just said foolish things or heretical things or ridiculous things, and they, and they would arrest him. But when they, when they come back to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees say, why didn't you bring him in? Why didn't you bring Jesus in, Corinne? And verse 46 is a remarkable verse. Verse 46. This is them responding. No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards declared. Hear those words. May, no one ever spoke the way this man does. Uncle Dennis, no one ever spoke the way this man does. Leah, no one ever spoke the way this man does. The guards had heard countless people talking, but no one ever spoke the way this man does. Buddha never spoke the way this man does. Muhammad never spoke the way this man does. Confucius never spoke the way this man does. Matter of fact, Moses never spoke the way this man does. David never spoke the way this man does does. Paul never spoke the way this man does. Peter never spoke the way this man does. Mary never spoke the way this man does. No one ever spoke the way this man does, man. Get that down inside of you. Get that in your spirit, Scott. No one ever spoke like Jesus. Ever, Kayla. No one ever spoke the way this man does. Janet, who, who are you listening to? Who do I listen to? Because no one ever spoke, Jason, the way this man does. No one speaks or has spoken or will ever speak 
like Jesus. We tend to have a lot of a lot of voices in our ears. I don't know why I'm so hot. Maybe I shouldn't have worn a long sleeve shirt. Still a little hot here in Texas. I'm sorry. We uh, we have a tendency to listen to a lot of things, to listen to a lot of people, to listen to a lot of ideas, and we let oftentimes foolish things come into our minds. But make no mistake, not Hollywood, celebrities, politicians, no one ever spoke the way this man does. That's the, that's the guard's testimony. And they heard countless people speaking. They had heard their own religious leaders that sent them to arrest Jesus and silence him. And so they're clearly telling the Pharisees, this man doesn't talk like you. This man doesn't talk like our pastor. This man certainly doesn't talk like me. No one. When Jesus was speaking, they heard revelation and they, they had a, a, there was a power, an anointing, a, uh, just the power of the word of God being spoke. Remember, when Jesus speaks in the gospels, it is the word of God. He is God. So Jesus speaking is the literal word of God. Your whole Bible is the word of God. So they're hearing this, but it doesn't sound like what they're used to. It doesn't sound like their pastors and teachers and elders. It doesn't, it doesn't sound like the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the teachers of the law. Uh, and it's, it's a clear insult back to, to them. Now, the guards aren't trying to be insulting. They're just simply telling them, uh, we didn't arrest them because um, the way this man spoke, we believe him. This man spoke with power. This man spoke with authority. This man spoke clearly in ways that we had not heard. And I'll say, I've said this now several times. They had heard many, many people talking. They're always in the temple courts. No one ever spoke. So we have to get that down into our, our spirits that when Jesus does anything, including speaking and talking, it's not like anybody else, okay? Jesus Christ is the Lord of heaven and earth. You can't make him out to be a good man, as C.S. Lewis said. Uh, you can't just have any of this nonsense, right? He was a prophet. He was this. He's God, full-blown God. And it's on every page of the gospel, in all Bibles. Father, we ask you to open our hearts. Holy Spirit, we ask you again to give us eyes that see Jesus and ears that hear Jesus. Open our minds, Holy Spirit, to the living word of God. Open our hearts to Jesus Christ, our Lord, that we might know him and know him better. Mm. Do you know Jesus today? Have you heard the voice of Jesus Christ? Uh, the religious leaders get very, very angry. Verse 47. You mean he has deceived you also. 
the Pharisees retorted. And here's just a beautiful saying, and uh, sometimes we, we do have this spirit in the church today. Remember, these are the pastors and teachers and elders of Jesus' day. And again, we often have this kind of spirit in the church today. So the guards go, they truly listen to Jesus, and they're convicted about what he said. They realize it's not like anybody else ever. Verse 47. You mean he has deceived you also, the Pharisees retorted. It gets better. Has any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed in him? No. But this mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on them. That's a beautiful thing, right? I've experienced this myself in the church and and Lord, forgive me, I may have done it. But the guards come back and they explain to them the power of what Jesus is saying is not like any man they have ever heard, ever, ever. And to this, they say, you're deceived. You're just deceived. You're just a little common fool. So you don't really know what you're talking about. I mean, after all, 40, verse 48, has any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? I mean, we are the smart people. We are the intellectuals. We are the ones that know all the truth. 49, no, but this mob, and by the way, this mob was Jewish people in the temple there that, that wanted to know the Lord, wanted to walk with God. No. But this mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on them. This, this elitist spirit is, is so strong in our church today. And I, and, I, and I say, Father, I ask you to forgive us. I do ask you to just to wash us in the blood of Jesus Christ where we have failed with this kind of elitist, we know best, we're the pastors, we're the elders, we're the, the deacons, we're the teachers, and we know best. And how many times have we, have we failed? Father, forgive us in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask you to lead us out of this, this futility. Help us, to, help us to stand on the truth but to not have confidence in ourselves, to stand on the word of God, to believe the word of God, to defend the word of God. But, but I ask you to forgive us and cleanse us of this, this same kind of religious, we know it all spirit. I ask you to, to help us to, to listen to Jesus. Father, forgive us. Lord, forgive us when we as the ministers are not hearing Christ and that those that we're teaching are hearing from him better than we are. Again, um, this is something that's been a problem for 2,000 years in the church, and, it, and it's not going away. Now, listen, uh, there are obviously very sound, very good, very biblical ministers all over the world, and we ought to listen to them, okay? There are sound elders, sound teachers, and we ought to listen to them 
as they teach the word of God, as they're listening to Jesus. These Pharisees, they didn't listen at all to Jesus. And so, you know, we do want to be, to be respectful and honoring, right? And we do want to have a heart of submission to those leaders that are pouring into our lives, that are teaching us the word of God, um, that have given their lives to the work of building us up in Christ, that are leading us in Christ, that Jesus is always on their lips, that they're exhorting you based on the teaching of the word of God, the strong teaching of the word of God, the clear and proper teaching of the word of God. We do want to have a heart to be respectful to these people, to be thankful to them, and to be submissive, right? To not, not be cantankerous. But at the same time, for us as ministers, we want to watch out for this. We know what's up because we got the title, right? I mean, I've heard ridiculous things in my life. I've heard people say that because they're the elders, they know best. That's a ridiculous statement, okay? Because I'm a pastor and I'm an elder and I'm these things in our ministry, doesn't mean I know, I know best. Titles don't mean you know anything. Jesus is not... Uh, Impressed with our title, although we will have greater responsibility if we have it. So it's it's never the right answer, you know, to say it's not a legitimate answer to say that something is proper because I'm the pastor. That that's not an answer, right? Um, so when when they come to them, this defense. When they, 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 they insult the guards, they basically tell the guards they're just foolish, mindless, you know, just little know-nothings because they've listened to Jesus. And in the defense they give, instead of breaking down what Jesus said, instead of detailing exactly what was wrong with Jesus, they throw their title in the air. You mean he has deceived you also, the Pharisees retorted? Has any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? That's not a defense. Ever, ever, ever. And you and I ought never give it. We never should say, well, what I'm saying is right because I'm the pastor. It's ridiculous. Well, what we're saying is right because we're the elders. It's, it's absurd. Okay. If when we when we when when we make a conclusion as to why something's right, we have to show it in the word of God. We have to prove it in the word of God. We have to be able to stand behind it based on the scriptures. Of all authority ultimately is not in being a pastor, a teacher, an elder, and in any title. Religious titles really carry no authority in themselves. Okay? The authority is in the word of God. It's in the scriptures. This is the authority. Okay. Um, there are no, there are not, there are no authority in titles. The authority is there and should be there only if you're submitted to the word of God and the son of God, the son of God and the word of God. So whatever the title is, and you could find any title you want, there's no biblical and spiritual authority just because you have a title. The title has to be submitted underneath. It has to be a foundation. 
and grounded in the living word of God in a sound, submissive attitude to the living word of God and the son of God, Jesus Christ. So now we the titles are fine, okay? But they are not in themselves any sign of anything. And it doesn't matter what the title is, okay? Again, the title could be pastor, it could be teacher, it could be elder, it could be deacon, it could be minister, it could be bishop, it could be pope, it could be, you know, any title you want. Okay? We 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 tend to throw around titles. And it's uh it's unbiblical, as we can see here. Has any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? Have any of us who are big Pharisees and with all the knowledge and all the understanding, have any of the bigwigs believed in him? No, verse 49, but this mob that knows nothing of the law, they, they don't know nothing. There's a curse on them. They actually said that. The mob and the guards who are listening to Jesus, learning from Jesus, believing in Jesus, they said they're cursed. This is what happens when we throw titles around. We, 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 can, we can get to a place where we're so full of ourselves that we think people are cursed. They're deceived. They're cursed. So, again, it's something we need to be very, very careful of. Um. I'll say again, it's important for us to have all these people, our pastors and our teachers and our elders and our ministers and our bishops and all that. These things are important, but they need to be people who are who are strongly submitted to the word of God and the son of God. And if they are and they've proven that, then we ought to submit to them when they've poured into our lives. Okay, pouring into your life is not just talking to you from a pulpit. That's not pouring into your life. Um, you ought to have ministers that pour into you personally, as well as publicly when they're when they're in the pulpit. Um, but we, we just want to make sure. And again, I'm I can, I'm hammering this home because it's such such an epidemic. And again, I've seen it in my own life. Lord, forgive me, um, where we think we know better. And so, Lord, I, I, we just thank you and we praise you for your word. Mm. I mean, we can go so far as to believe that, the, again, the people are cursed and that we're above everything. Now, again, the irony is they were saying that people are cursed because they were believing in Jesus. When the truth is, we remain cursed if we haven't trusted in Jesus. So, again, they couldn't be more wrong. It's he, They say that there's a curse on them who are believing in Jesus, when the reality is there's a curse on anyone who has not believed and trusted and relied on Jesus Christ, on anyone who's not clinging to Jesus Christ for the salvation of their soul and the forgiveness of their sins. But my man comes in here. You remember Nicodemus from chapter three? Nicodemus came to Jesus, it said, at night, and he said, Lord, you remember in chapter three when he said, Lord, you know, we don't understand what you're doing, but we know that no one could do these things if you weren't from God. And, and we did all the teaching on Jesus responding to Nicodemus for his need. Nicodemus needed a, a spiritual rebirth. But 
because Nicodemus went to Jesus, and again, we saw that in John 3, because he took the time to go to Jesus, and he spent time with Jesus, and Jesus gave him his time, and we too ought to go to Jesus and spend time with Jesus, and Jesus will give us his time today. Because Nicodemus spent time with Jesus, here, he's going to speak up. Now, Nicodemus is one of their number. Okay, Nicodemus is one of the leaders, one of the really big leaders, um, one of the top religious leaders in the land. And look at verse 50. It says, Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, does our law condemn anyone without first hearing him to find out what he is doing? (laughs) So Nicodemus is a believer in Jesus, and he gives a a profound statement, and and they even know what he's saying is true. These religious leaders know what he's saying is true. Of course it doesn't. Nicodemus says the Bible condemns somebody, you know, without hearing him first, so you can just see what he's talking about and what he's doing. You won't, Nicodemus is saying you haven't even heard him. You haven't listened to him. You haven't, you, haven't, you haven't really tried to understand what he's saying and what he's doing, yet you're condemning him. And so Nicodemus defends Jesus, and he does it powerfully and clearly and undeniably. But again, we can live in a culture, and again, we can all be guilty of this, where we are impervious to reason, where we, where we don't want to. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to help us. Help me, help us where we are just impervious to reason, where we just so so often can miss the grace of God because of pride and uh, just, just being so self-assured, Lord. We, we just want to know you. We want to know your word. And we do want to be assured in your word. Forgive us where we have just rejected that and just uh, been unwilling to learn. Nicodemus says, and again, this this statement cannot be refuted. It is a powerful point of proof. Does our law condemn anyone without first hearing him to find out what he is doing? All of them should have repented right there and said, you know what, Nick, you're right. You're right. We, We haven't taken the time to understand him. We, we, we've been, we've, we have been selfish. We have been angry. We have been self-serving. Uh, they didn't want to understand Jesus. They didn't want to understand him at all. They never took the time to hear him. They never took the time to find out what he was doing. And, and we're all, we're guilty of this as well. I mean, uh, I'll say again, I mean, if, you know, it's it's good that you know you know you have a pastor you want to hear him you want to you want to find out what he's doing you want to just see you know his lifestyle and and what he's doing and how he handles the word of god and you know how his walk is right so we don't want to condemn anyone w- without that and and again we don't condemn people anyway the bible the bible doesn't have us to condemn people we we condemn actions first in our own life And then in others, we say right is right is wrong is wrong. The scripture is right. 
It's clear. It's plain. It's all about the Bible. The Bible says that without Jesus Christ, no one will see heaven. The Bible says every human being is sinful. Okay. You know, you can look these up in John 14 and Romans 3. Um, the scripture is unambiguous that it's only in trusting in Jesus Christ can we have the forgiveness of our sins, the salvation of our soul, and ultimately go to heaven when we die. It's only in Jesus that we can have spiritual life. We just did a whole chapter in chapter 6 that it's only in Jesus Christ that we can have spiritual life, eternal life. Nowhere else. Every human being, all 8 billion people on the, on the, on the earth, alive today, need Christ. That's unambiguous. So Nicodemus reasons with them, and they should have repented under his reasoning. But instead, verse 52, they replied, are you from Galilee too? Look into it, and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. They're wrong. They're just wrong. Jonah clearly came out of Galilee, what's called Lower Galilee, right? And Jonah is a picture of Jesus, okay? Most say Elijah came out of Galilee. Some say the greatest of prophets. And so they had not done the research. And the irony is they, again, were, were short-sighted. So number one, prophets had come out of Galilee. So they're incorrect. In their zeal to condemn him, they were incorrect about their history. But it, it was said that, that the Christ would be born in Bethlehem. The Old Testament prophesied. And they knew that Jesus was living in Galilee. They knew that he was living in Cana in Galilee. Cana is a part of Galilee. And that is where the royal family had moved to. But if you recall, Jesus was, in fact, born in Bethlehem. And then the family moved to Nazareth. Nazareth. Then they had to, to, to rush off to Egypt when Herod was going to kill all the, the boys two and under. Then they came back to Nazareth. And then ultimately the family moved during his ministry to Galilee. So all they knew was that Jesus was living in Galilee. So they assumed he had always been there where obviously the scriptures teach otherwise. So they, they're, they're so sure of themselves, but yet they haven't, they, they were wrong. They were wrong scripturally. They were wrong about their understanding about where prophets came from. Um, and again, that's something that, uh, that we want to manage in our own lives. We want to make sure that we have a sound, grounded, biblical understanding. We want to have a biblical worldview. We, we want to live our lives based on the revelation of the scriptures. And we want to know that, you know, that, that we're fallible. We don't have confidence in ourselves. We have confidence in the son of God and the word of God, the word of God and the son of God. Right, Peyton? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, and then it says, then each went to his own home, verse 53. So thank you, Lord Jesus. We're going to pick up next time into uh, moving into John 8 and um, you know we'll talk about it next time but there's a uh, you know the earliest manuscripts don't have the story of the woman caught in adultery they don't have it here this account of what Jesus did 
was not in the early ma earliest manuscripts, so it probably was not written by John in this, you know, in this gospel. However, it is almost certainly an accurate account of an event that happened in the life of Jesus, and it will be an accurate accounting. Um, it, it probably should be el elsewhere, right? So what am I saying? There were um, the scriptures are built, there's like 5,300 New Testament manuscripts of what we have here. And they're, and they're outside of a letter here, a letter there, they're almost all identical. But the very earliest manuscripts, right, the oldest ones that we have, don't have John 7.53 to John 8.11. And so scholars believe that you know, it is an accurate account. This account of the woman caught in adultery and what G Jesus did is an actual event in the life of Jesus. This is what happened. These are the words that Jesus said, but they believe it It was inserted. It might have been a part of Luke's gospel. And so it is still a, a historically accurate account of something Jesus said and did in defending the woman caught in adultery and and rebuking her for her sinful lifestyle um, and saving her from, from, from death. So we'll get into that story next time. And uh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Godly Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the Holy Scriptures. We thank you for loving us. Father, we just thank you for forgiving us. We thank you for putting up with us, Lord. We just thank you for your mercy, your favor, and your goodness on our lives. Father, I ask you to forgive us, forgive me, forgive us as Christian leaders when we just, when we have a, a pharisaical attitude, Lord. I ask you to cleanse us of unrighteousness, Lord. Father, I ask you to help us to look to Jesus as all Christians, as Christian leaders, as all Christians, help us to look unto Jesus more and more and more and more in everything that we do. Help us to have a lifestyle of humility and repentance where we have fallen short. And I ask you to help us to, to stand on the word of God. Help us to continue to give ourselves to the study of your word that we might know you better Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King and God. Lord Jesus, we thank you for again for becoming a human man for us and living a perfect life for us and dying a torturous death for us. And we worship you as you are alive and risen, our Savior. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you for your work in our lives. We thank you for being our guide, our counselor, our comforter. We ask you again to give us eyes to see as we go forward now and ears that hear. Help us to obey your word. In Jesus' name, amen.